Welcome to the Infertile Mafia. That's Christine. And that's Kayla. And today we're talking about pulling the trigger. We are talking trigger shots today. And I've got Christine again with me. She's guest co-hosting. Thanks, Christine. You're welcome. Um, she's here because as many of you guys know, Sarah uh, had her IVF baby. She always wants that qualifier. <laughs> The IVF baby? <laughs> she, wa- she wants to make sure people know it was a frozen embryo transfer and that she didn't get pregnant naturally. Well, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, you go through all that work. Yeah. Yeah. And she just doesn't want anyone to hate her. Like, she wants them to know she's fully infertile. <laughs> like, the girl doesn't have fallopian tubes. It's impossible for her to get pregnant on her own. So, yeah, we wanted to congratulate Sarah and Peter and Bjorn who is her other IVF baby, <laughs> her two-year-old. Um, she had a baby girl on October 17th, and her name is Genevieve Isabel. Eight pounds, seven ounces, 19 and a half inches, and both baby and mama are doing great. Yay, congrats, Sarah. Yay, we're so happy for her. So she's obviously taking a break right now, um, focusing on a newborn and... Sleepless nights. Sleepless and... <laughs> nights and all of that fun. So I've got Christine co-hosting with me today. So thanks again for joining me. Yeah. Um, I love you guys. Yeah, I know. And we love you too. It's just a lot of love happening right here. <laughs> In this intimate little nook. <laughs> yes. We're actually at Christine's house today, switching it up. We're in your closet. <laughs> I, yeah, we're in my closet. It is cozy. It is very cozy. <laughs> it's very cozy. I'm slowly... Getting into the closets of all my friends. <laughs> you know? Any skeletons in here? No. Um, I'm sure something could fly out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so before we get started, I wanted to do this at the top. We usually do this at the end of the epi- at the end of the episode. But guys, if you could do us a favor and make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you are finding any enjoyment at all, it would be great. If you could give us a rating and a review, it really just helps us be more visible to the community so that when people are searching for resources on infertility that we pop up in the search. So that's what those ratings and reviews are for. So if you're feeling generous, that would be awesome if you could do that for us. And uh, also don't forget about our Facebook groups, um, The Infertile Mafia, and The Infertile Mafia Bosses and Babies, which is where people talk about pregnancy and children and things of that nature oh and instagram at infertile mafia podcast and christine's on instagram too at infertility illustrated so check us out there as well all right let's get started all right yeah why don't you share your article first all right so we found this this article is on the daily mail uh, and it's about a faulty pregnancy test gives false positive. So this it's this article about how this this couple, this family, three people, I think they had one child maybe, planned this dream vacation to Florida. Florida. <laughs> Wait, Florida could be a dream vacation, especially if you're coming from the UK and if you're going to Disney World. No offense, I think they were going to, I think they were going to Disney World, which... I mean, I would love to go to Disney World. <laughs> I haven't been there in a really long time. So I know, it's just funny. <laughs> Dream vacation to Florida. 
Yes, I will, I will laugh a little bit about that part. But it cost them like 6,000 pounds. And How much is that in American money? I don't know. No, no idea. I don't know. It's at a minimum. It's, it's what, $7,000? I, I don't know. More? Is a pound more or less than a dollar? I don't know. Dollar? If you live in the UK, let us know <laughs> what the... What the, what the uh what's the word the rate the, yeah <laughs> what the money transfer rate that's not it exchange rate exchange rate there thank you, you. <laughs> a anyway, lot of money she oh she's my age and she took a pregnancy test two days before flying because she noticed that she'd gained a little weight so she took this pregnancy test found out she was pregnant was Apparently devastated, ruined her vacation <laughs> because she, she couldn't go on all the rides in Florida and she didn't get to drink and she was stressed about money. I mean, I could see how the stressing about an unplanned pregnancy would definitely be stressful. But anyway, she was very upset and then it turned out that the pregnancy test gave her a false positive and she wasn't pregnant after all. And apparently this was a whole clear, clear and simple digital pregnancy test. This was a whole thing that they had to recall all these pregnancy tests because they apparently this, they were giving out false positives, which I don't totally understand how that works. But yeah. I, don't, I don't either. But that's a bitch. Yeah. False it's way worse if you're infertile, though. Yeah. If you, you act, if you really wanted that positive and, and you got a, fa- a positive like that. Right. I mean, this woman, all she did was, like, bitch about how her dream vacation to Florida was was ruined because she couldn't drink. (laughs) Like, I think she might be suing the company. I don't know. It doesn't say that in here. But that's sort of the impression, the setup that I'm getting is that Clear and Simple ruined her vacation so much (laughs) that she wants to sue them, maybe. She wants to go back to Florida and do it right. Yeah. (laughs) Harry Potter world this time. All the rides. All the rides, all the fun drinks. But this, okay, so make, make sure I'm clear. It was 58,000 of the tests were recalled because of this. So this, there's no way she's the only person that this no. happened to. And I guess from what I read, they are only be, they were only distributed in the UK, right? So for yeah. all of our UK listeners, this is clear and simple digital pregnancy tests. So if you have one of those, maybe... Maybe, Maybe chuck throw it, in the it trash. away. Yeah, <laughs> I think they said September first might have been uh, the like when they when they came out or the like around that time. Okay. Um, but only in the UK, right? Because we have that brand here in the United States. Yeah. I, no. So, is it the same as Clear Blue? I think I've used Clear Blue. There's a picture. I know. Of it. Yeah. But I feel like the Clear Blue looks the same way. You're right. Maybe you have to go all the way back to the manufacturer, which yeah. is um, Guangzhou Wanfo Biotech. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just look. Yeah. I. But uh, that makes you like scared to even take a pregnancy test. Well, like, it makes you, can't you scared to take a anything. digital one because yeah. I. I don't. I feel like right. the line ones. Those can't lie. Can they? I don't. Yeah. I think it would be harder for them to lie. But the digital, digital one, who knows yeah. what kind of algorithms happen right. back there. Right, right. It's definitely going to make me think twice before mm-hmm. I take a digital one again. Yeah. 
That's crazy. Oh, wait, look. There's also something about a faulty batch of condoms. I didn't see oh, this part of the article. Oh, wow. Do you see he, that? No. <laughs> Guys, get your shit together. The MHRA also issued alerts over string of faulty products, including 10 batches of Durex condoms that could burst during sex. <sighs> All right, so yeah, if you're trying to avoid pregnancy, but none of us are, so no, you guys not a are problem. Good on that one. <laughs> it's been a while since we needed to use condoms. Oh yeah, ew. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other article I wanted to talk about. This was just on Good Morning America today, I think. Uh, this was today. Well, this article that we're gonna quote from came out two days ago, but this couple was on was on Good Morning America today. And it was, it's a couple from North Texas, a lesbian couple, who, the the headline is, same-sex couple carries same baby, calls experience priceless. Which, you're like, what? I was really right? confused. Yeah. I was super confused when I saw that. Huh? <laughs> Doesn't make sense. So, here's what happened. We've talked about InvoCell on the podcast before in, I think we talked about it in the episode titled IVF 13.0 or something like that. And we kind of laid out all the alternative options to IVF, um, InvoCell being one of them. It's this new technology where it's like a, a lighter version of IVF. They still do stems and egg retrieval, but they take the sperm and the eggs and put them in this little incubator and shove it back up your vagingo. That is so crazy. <laughs> and then they I can't believe I didn't know about this. Yeah, they fertilize in utero, basically. Or it's not in your uterus, it's in your vagina. So they are in this little cell and they fertilize and then five days later they take it out and the embryologist looks and sees if anything has fertilized and like where the embryo is. So basically you're the incubator instead of the lab. And then from there, if you have a viable embryo or embryos, they, you know, either freeze them or transfer them or whatever. So here's what happened with this couple. They, um, I guess one of them, they both wanted kids, but one of them, and I didn't really love this quote, but she's quoted as saying, I wanted a child that was biologically mine, but I did not want to carry the child. And I kind of want to know more about <laughs> that but let's unpack that one yeah let's unpack that <laughs> statement because i mean you know the the side of me that's like the infertility advocate is like that's not what ivf is for <laughs> no. but so but there could be other things going on like there could be other reasons why she doesn't want to carry a child but she doesn't mention them here so anyway what she did was they took her eggs she did the egg retrieval and she, they had donor sperm, and so they put the InvoCell back in her body, so they were being fertilized by her. So essentially the embryo was in her body, and she did technically carry the baby for five days. And then they took it out, found one embryo that was viable, and put it in her partner. And then they got pregnant, carried it to term, happy, healthy baby boy. So technically, yes, both mothers carried the same child. I mean... Yay, science! This is the future. <laughs> I didn't know about this whole invo-cell thing. This is a new thing I've heard about. But, I mean, it almost just seems like 
if they're going to put it in someone to incubate, why wouldn't they just put it just all the way back in someone anyway, right? Um, oh, you, well... Like, without, I mean, I get it, you wouldn't be able to make sure it made it to five days. Yeah. But... Well, and you're, like, you're putting them just in this one, it's like, then the sperm don't have to do the sojourn through the cervix, through uh, the uterus, into the fallopian right, tubes. Right, because like, it's all like, just right there. This isn't this little... ICSI or something. No, it's not ICSI. It's just like, here's some eggs, here's some sperms in this small area. Basically like a Petri dish, like what yeah. they do without ICSI. They're I mean, just doing it inside your body. It's a nice way for lesbian couples yeah. to both be part... Because if you think about it, unless... If unless one person really doesn't want to be involved, mm-hmm. one person could potentially not really be involved, right? Because you're like, only using eggs from from one person and right sperm donor sperm, right? Exactly. So I guess that's nice. It is nice. It's yeah, that's a great thing for same sex couples how they can both be involved in the process. And in fact, the doctor that they use. Uh, she explains that that's one of the reasons she does this for same-sex couples. And they also, like, if you think about it, these are two women that I don't think had any other fertility issues. I don't so, know. or it doesn't say that they did. And the fact that they, everything just went like textbook for them. So, so lucky they, when that happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's, it's great, too, that they didn't have to, because Invocel IVF is much, much cheaper than traditional oh, IVF. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So if you don't need to go through the financial burden of it as well, great. I mean, yeah. I wish that could have been an option for me, but I'm glad it's there for other people, you know? Wait, can we talk about the doctor's name for a second? Duty. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Dr. Duty. <laughs> and it's spelled D-O-O-D-Y. <laughs> This is I'm I must be really immature no. because every time I read this article, and it it just refers to him her is it's it her her as duty the whole time so duty told ABC News duty explained <laughs> yeah, I know no I was totally laughing too it's so funny yeah Doctor Duty <laughs> I really love that nothing's funnier than poop. <laughs> That is an unfortunate name, though. It is, but... Doctor. Doctor Duty. Now you're famous, so... Yeah. (laughs) Where was that? Where did that take place? Um, In North Texas. Okay. Yeah. Doctor Duty. So if you're in North Texas and you need a fertility doctor... Yeah. Doctor Duty might be your ticket. Okay, so that was our fertility news. Now we can move on to talking about trigger shots. The last kind of more clinical topic we... Um, covered was um, stem drugs. So we talked, it was titled The Good Drugs. That was the name of that episode. And um, so the next logical step is to talk about trigger shots because that's what's going to happen next after you do IVF stems. But before we get to that, um, one thing I wanted to follow up with the listeners that we didn't cover at all when we talked about stem drugs was how long you take them and, like, side effects of them, which I think is kind of important. Oh, yeah. And we didn't talk about it at all. (laughs) I don't know how I don't even remember this. Didn't bring it up at all. (laughs) So, quickly, your stem drugs, actually, you don't take them that long, you know? It's usually, like, sometimes only a week for some people, sometimes just a week and a half, but it's not 
when you think about the overall picture of an IVF cycle, the time that you're stimming is really not that long. Yeah. And it really, it depends on, like, they're, you're going to have constant monitoring during that time, most likely, where they're checking your follicles and how they're growing. And sometimes they'll even adjust mid-cycle. Oh, we're ne- we need to give you more of this or less of that. But the actual time that you're injecting yourself with stem meds is really not that long. So... I'm counting. I, I 12 days. I think you did 12, 12 days. I, but that was like a combined cycle. It was like letrozole and gonal F, which okay. isn't nor- normally you would just do like one or the other. So that was a weird cycle. I forget why we did it that way. Mm-hmm. But that was, what did I just say? 12 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. that was about what mine was. And it was a combined follistim and menopure. Yeah. And it was about 12 days. Yeah. And real quickly, I wanted to talk about um, some side effects like how did you feel when you were stimming do you remember you know I probably was a crazy person (laughs) but truthfully I don't really remember yeah yeah it just because it was long ago what I do remember was always coming down off of the drugs so I don't remember how I was per se during but I feel like afterward I was all over the place Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. These, like, fertility drugs are, they're just... Well, you gain weight, for you, one. Yeah. That's a side effect. You can't trust anything you feel. That's what made me crazy about yeah. them. Because you can't, you don't know if you're, like, feeling crazy because your hormones are whacked or if it, you actually need to pay attention to this feeling you're having. Like, you want to cry one minute, you want to throw something the next... Yeah, and and people have it while they're on the drug, while they're coming off the drug, mm-hmm. leading up to the drug. Like some people say, the the um, down regulation, the birth control is the worst part of their cycle. So it just depends on the person, and it's like, yeah, it's tough. But I think a lot of people, to your point, don't com- like don't report a lot of terrible side effects when they're actually stimming. I just didn't, I didn't, um, like, track them, you yeah, know? Yeah, So, and, you know, some of these cycles were two years ago. Yeah. So I can't, I can't remember <laughs> the emotions that I was going right. through during the cycle two years ago. But I do remember the after effect in terms of, okay, I'm, I'm a little bit fatter than I was before. <laughs> and I think, like, afterward, if it didn't work, which I don't think any of them ever did, <laughs> I was... Like, definitely, ang- you know, I remember the anger mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe, like, the jealousy or, like, the sadness. And it was kind of this, like, up and down of emotions. And then maybe about a month or two after the cycle, then I would sort of feel normal again. Mm-hmm. And I'd look back and be like, wow, I can't believe that's how I was. <laughs> I can't believe how angry I was. <laughs> yeah, and maybe that gives some people, like, Maybe that's comforting to know that those, your memories of whatever you're feeling right now, it's going to (laughs) fade. Yeah. You know, it's not going to stay with you. I truly don't remember. I kind of wish I did. (laughs) I I wish I had like a good story of something that happened. What about physical symptoms though? Do you remember any physical symptoms while you were stimming? I feel like I was really bloated Bloated. from the shots. Yeah. Yep. I feel like I was really, like my stomach just felt like it was full Mm -hmm. of just liquid or something which it kind of is yeah yeah that was my least favorite part was i just felt like it was almost this beer belly of Mm -hmm. medicine 
And you just yeah. like feel like it's yeah, it's yeah. just sitting there. It's you're just like pumped full of old lady pee, and it's just hanging out. Even yeah. though it's not what it is really, but but you that's feel how, like, yeah, yeah, it's that's just how you unpleasant. Think of it. It's unpleasant. Yeah, I I described it to someone like towards the end of stimming, and you had a lot of eggs too. I had nineteen, and I felt like I I could feel it like when I was walking around. Oh like, yeah, you I've. I feel like I really could feel, I felt like there were little weights on the inside of my ovaries, like pulling them down or something. When, by the IVF was a whole other ball game compared to just the cycles when we were just doing gonola or something. Mm -hmm. By the time of the end of IVF, they said, I mean, my ovaries were at least the size of grapefruits. Yeah. And yeah, I felt those babies. Every little movement... Mm -hmm. You could feel it. It That's was crazy. just, yeah, it just felt like there was this big rock inside of yeah. you. And yeah. my, I remember my nurse told me, I thought this was a great, like, visual. She said, like, right before you do an egg retrieval, when the eggs are, like, reaching their, you know, maturation, which we're about to talk about. That's where the trigger shot comes in. She said they're all about the size of a grape, your follicles. When they, when you trigger? Mm-hmm. So, or right, like right around the time that you're triggering or right after, like Each that, one is a grape? Each one's the size of a grape. Oh my God, I had like a vineyard. Yeah. <laughs> in my ovaries. If only they could make wine. <laughs> Literally, the highest quality vineyard. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I remember after, I came home that day and I pulled, I had grapes in my fridge and I pulled out like 19 I grapes. I never heard that. And held them in my hand and I was like... Oh my gosh, this is what's on the inside of my body. So just think, if you need a visual, size of a grape is your follicle size when you're reaching, you know, right before egg retrieval. Or think grapefruits. I definitely was looking for some grapefruit visuals when (laughs) she told me my ovaries were each the size of a grapefruit. Oh my gosh, yeah. So all that to say, there's a lot of bloat, there's a lot of uncomfortable just tightness and like... Yeah. It just feels like you had an like three pizzas all the time. Yeah. That's <laughs> so brutal. So part of why you feel that way is after your trigger shot, um, so that sends your follicles into what's called meiosis, which is the final stage of maturation. I wanted to read this um, quote from Dr. Sure at Sure Fertility Fertility in Las Vegas. Have you seen Vegas maybe? No. It's pretty good. I don't know. I feel like it would... It, I know nothing about it, but I'm always yeah. afraid it's going to make me sad or something. Oh, it might make you sad. Okay. I mean, I cried a lot yeah. through it. But it's okay. interesting. Like I'll it, watch it. And it's about this clinic in Vegas, the Sure Fertility Clinic. Um, it follows, like, couples that are going through IVF. Anyway, okay, so he said this, Dr. Sure. It follows that when it comes to ovulation induction, aside from selecting a suitable protocol for ovarian stimulation, one of the most important decisions the clinician has to make involves choosing and implementing with logic and precision the trigger shot by which to facilitate meiosis. So we think of the trigger shot almost like, or I did, like a throwaway. It just happens the one time and it's not... But it's actually incredibly important, the timing of it. Um, so you can use trigger shots for lots of cycles. It doesn't, they're not just used with IVF, right? They're used with timed intercourse. They're used with IUI. But there's, they're obviously going to be, the stakes are much higher with IVF because there's a lot 
more invested in an IVF cycle financially, usually. Um, so, uh, a trigger shot essentially, like I said, puts the myo the objective of meiosis into action, which is when the egg reaches its final maturation. So I wanted to read this. This is actually from their website, the Sure Fertility website. In the process, approximately half of the chromosomes, 23, are expelled from the egg nucleus right under the outer shell of the egg. So that's what happens when you give yourself this trigger shot, right? Um, but while an egg can look mature through a microscope, it doesn't mean it has all 23 chromosomes right underneath that outer shell or in its nucleus. So um, as it relates to fertilization, the sperm also has to have 23 chromosomes, of course, which they can't tell from looking at it in a microscope. And this is how people end up with aneuploid or you know, non-viable embryos when eggs and sperm create an embryo with incomplete DNA, even if the egg and sperm both look perfect at the time, because there's just no way of knowing. So here's the thing about manufacturing your cycle with IVF and a trigger shot. The issue is, as we all know, like we're creating eggs with our stem meds, right? But when you do that trigger shot, you throw it into final maturation no matter where it is in the process. So you can like mature them too soon or if you wait too long, they can be basically be overcooked. You're stressing me out right now <laughs> just even talking about this. This is really stressful. <laughs> I'm really stressed. Why are you stressed? Talk to me, Christine. <laughs> Because I'm, it's I just a lot of go pressure. back and think about my IVF cycle. I know, I know. I don't want to be stressing anyone out though. <laughs> this is all good information. Yeah, I just I don't think at the time I was doing IVF that I really understood the importance of the timing of the trigger shot. That if you do it too soon, it's not great. If you do it too late, it's not great. And there's really, I mean, you're trying to get the most number of follicles to that prime stage as possible which is why they try to grow them all at the same rate yeah but I think I appreciated the trigger shot more when it required IUI or like timed intercourse mm -hmm. because then it was the timing of like when they did it to when the IUI was or like when you had sex that always stressed me out you know what if it didn't release right when it was supposed to or what mm -hmm. if you then have your IUI at like the wrong time or something yeah that always stressed me out when it when it came to IVF I mean I guess we'll get to this because mine ended up being sort of like a different protocol right I the trigger for IVF didn't end up stressing me out as much as maybe it should have <laughs> <laughs> well I don't want it to stress anyone out I just think <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's good information to know that, I mean, you're, this isn't something that you have to determine. That's like why yeah. you have a good doctor that's helping you figure this out. Um, and, and I just think it's like fascinating how it all works and that this is even a thing that you can, the trigger shot guys, let me put it this way, is the, like 
imperative because if without it you wouldn't know when to do egg retrieval right unless you were like literally living in the re office and they were monitoring you 24 yeah, hours you a were day just getting scanned you had the wand yeah. basically living in your vagina exactly <laughs> like and that's nobody wants that nope nobody wants that so the trigger shot is good but it also like you know it's not a perfect science either there's so um, like, I don't want to, I don't want it to sound like the trigger shot is scary. It's no, not. it's not scary. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the part when you get to be like, okay, you're free. <laughs> it's almost yeah. out of my hands in a sense, because then it's up to them to yeah. collect the eggs or perform the IUI right. or you're right. The trigger you just get shot. To have sex. Yeah, exactly. The trigger shot's like the last piece of your part of the puzzle like you said then you get to hand it off to somebody like hand off the baton like i'm done yeah so by the time you reach the trigger shot it's like yes we made it you know my part is over you should have like trigger parties yeah trigger (laughs) parties um (laughs) i like it all right well about so about okay 36 hours prior to egg retrieval that's usually when a trigger shot is given but how many hours prior for an IUI? It's usually about the, the same. same. Yeah. Okay. So 36 hours prior to your egg retrieval, you'll get like a trigger shot. And it's usually one of three medications. So you have your urinary derived HCG, which would be like your no- Novarel, Pregnal, or Profasi. 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 <laughs> Sounds no, like no, no. Mufasa. I, th- I thought of like Bob Fosse. <laughs> Oh, okay. No, I I was going the Disney way. Mufasa. (laughs) And I was going the the musical way. I've never heard of Profasi. Have you? No. And we determined. I had pregnant. We've determined those three are all intramuscular, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are all like the long shot in the booty, the two inch needle. Yeah. Yeah, pregnant was what I was supposed to have, and I was very stressed about getting that intramuscular shot. (laughs) <laughs> um, the other option is recombinant HCG, which would be Ovidril, or an agonist such as Lupron, which is what I ended up having, which, upon being injected, provokes a surge in the release of pituitary gland-derived LH, is initiated. Right. Uh, so uh, Ovidril and Lupron, those are not intramuscular. Right. Those are subcutaneous. I like those ones so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. So the the only, yeah, Avadrel's the only HCG derivative one or whatever. It's recombinant, recombinant? which I don't means, know what that it's, means I think it just means it's synthetic. Uh, it's not okay. urinary derived. That makes sense. Um, and it's, so it's the only one that's subcutaneous. And then you have people like, Christine, talk about why you did a Lupron trigger I instead. Did a, so... I was panicking about having to get the pregnant because it was it would have been my first introduction to the intramuscular butt shots. That's so if you're getting an intramuscular, nine times out of ten, it's gonna be in your booty. Uh, but often a smaller needle than PO. Progesterone and oil. Oh thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so my when I did IVF, my Estrogen levels were like 8,000 or 9,000, which is really crazy high. Yeah. And I got a panicked phone call from my doctor who was like, okay, we're doing Lupron. And so Lupron, I don't know if this is always the case, but at least in my case, Lupron, it was two trigger shots 
timed at a certain space apart. So one was done at one point in the day. And then the other one, I can't remember if it was the next day or later that day, but it was two shots spaced a certain amount of time apart. Okay. Yeah. And I think the, and then I think, I think it was still 36 hours ish Mm -hmm. before then I went in for the retrieval. And that's, they would give you that because they would be worried about you getting OHSS. Right. That's, they were worried about that because your estrogen was yeah. so high. Yeah, I got OHSS anyway, but if I, if <laughs> I had done, worse. yeah, if I had taken the other, mm-hmm. it would have been way, way, way worse. But, the, and this is the thing about getting the Lupron is that you then, you know, you have to do a freeze cycle. You can't do a fresh transfer. That's right. After you do a Lupron trigger, you have to wait at least, you know, a month or so. Yeah. To then do a transfer. So that's, if you do end up having that, it's kind of a bummer if you were mm-hmm. thinking, oh, I'm going to, you know, transfer five mm-hmm. days after this. No, you're no. going to have to wait a month. Oh, so it's it's no fresh. It's frozen only. No fresh. No fresh. <laughs> Don't it's get like fresh with me. Burger King. <laughs> right. Are they the one? No. Water fresh, burger? never frozen. Right. Who says that? I don't Wendy's? know. Wendy's? Wendy's. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I don't Wendy's know. is all about fresh, never frozen. I don't know. I feel like most of the fertility community now is like, no, go frozen. <laughs> I, I feel like that's nine times out of ten your your only option is frozen. Yeah. It's much more common, becoming yeah. more and more common to do frozen transfers. So, yeah, Dr. Cher thinks the, the HCGR is not as strong as the urinary-derived HCG and thinks it should be doubled. Oh, interesting. And also doesn't recommend Lupron because the LH surge can't be controlled. That's one man's opinion. I mean... I think the Lupron worked out really well for me. I'm really glad I took it. Yeah. I wonder if he means if you're... Because some doctors will do a Lupron trigger protocol for a reason other than the fear of OHSS. Uh, like for yeah. other... And I wonder if he means like if all all things being equal otherwise, like he recommends the urinary derived HCG thinks it's like gives them the best possible outcome. Probably true. Yeah. That could be true. Yeah. I mean, I could see the, the Lupron trigger causing other variables that are harder to control. Yeah. But so interesting. Yeah. HCG, human chorionic gonadotropin. I can't say that. <laughs> You're way better at the medical terms than I am. I could say it, but I can't tell you exactly what it means. <laughs> the pregnancy hormone. It's just what it's it is. the pregnancy hormone, exactly. It's what your body starts producing naturally when you become pregnant. Um, okay. So we just talked about this that the trigger shot is the most time sensitive part of an IVF cycle. Um, your egg quality, if Sarah were here, she would be talking about this. Your egg quality depends largely on the timing of the trigger shot. You wait too long, they get overcooked, you do it too early, and they're not mature enough. So I've seen this happen to women where they end up, like, they do an egg retrieval and all the eggs are immature or all the eggs are overcooked type thing. And it... So if they're overcooked, does that... Do they not even make it to, like, day five? Mm Mm-mm. They have to be in, like, the prime space. Because the reason they would get over... So, naturally, if you this was happening in your body, you would ovulate. Like, your egg would ovulate on its own at a certain time. But 
we're, what we're about to talk about are the anti-protagonists like cetratide and Ganna relics that prevent you from ovulating so that you don't ovulate early. So that's what, when you introduce those drugs, then that's how you run the risk of overcooking. Got eggs, it. You know? Um, so, okay, I thought this was interesting. So when they say, like, so the, your egg quality, when you're, like, tracking, you know, as you're stimming, they want the majority of follicles to be, um, is that greater than or less than? That's greater than. <laughs> Greater than. Do you want to know a really embarrassing fact about me? You're bad at math? <laughs> well, everybody already knows that. No, I cannot for the life of me remember the... The fractions? The, no, the greater than, less than signs. Oh, uh, I think that's maybe the only math thing I can recognize. Really? I yes. cannot... For Everyone has tried to explain it to me. The alligator, <laughs> the mouth, I don't... Whatever. <laughs> so, greater than 15 millimeters in diameter... With several follicles having reached 18 to 22 millimeters. So, in other words, before you trigger, they want most of them to be over 15. Follicles larger than 22 will usually harbor overdeveloped eggs, which fail to produce, you know, a viable embryo. So, and then on the other side of that, follicles less than 15 millimeters are usually underdeveloped. So... Somewhere between that 15 to 22 range is kind of what you're looking for. So when you go in and they measure your follicles and you're like, what does that mean? Well, when you're about to trigger, that's kind of where you want to be. So, you know, don't feel bad if your eggs aren't all, quote, mature because sometimes it's because of the timing of that trigger shot. So in other words, if they pull out 20 eggs and they tell you only 15 of them were mature, it's probably because... You know, the other ones weren't quite ready to trigger. It's a good thing. That makes sense? Yeah. So it has nothing to do with you, is what I'm saying. It's just the timing of your trigger. So. Yeah. I remember those. Um, all right. So like you just said, anti-protagonist drugs, cetratide, ganarelics, uh, you usually start those a few days before egg retrieval, and these prevent you from ovulating, obviously, so that you don't ovulate too soon. Right. Um, and they're also time sensitive, right? Yeah. When they you tell start you, the yeah, they Alex. tell you like, take it at this time, and then the next day you have to take it at like half an hour earlier or late. Like they're I don't time remember. sensitive too. No. I like, mean, you yeah, have to over like they have to overlap. It was certain. I think I had to do the Ganarelics in the morning. Mm -hmm. In the morning around a certain time, I guess. Yeah, because they. I think they want it to stay in yeah. your system. They don't want there to be a lapse because then you could, yeah, yeah there could be an issue. <laughs> the Ganarelics injections, I remember people don't like those. Hating those, yeah, they kind of stung. I think a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. the needle is like to me. It felt like it was more dull. It was what well, was also. You know, you're using what fall stem is like a pen. You know, yeah. Up until this, you've been using a lot great. of a lot of pens, except for Menopure, I guess. <laughs> and you know, love a good pen. But then all of a sudden, you've got this very injection, you know, syringe-looking thing. And I just hate needles. So, <laughs> good thing you're doing IVF, Christine. <laughs> I know. I got really good with the subcutaneous by the yeah. end. I know you do. You get used to it, right? You just yeah. like you have to. You do what you got to do, and, you, and then you're like, okay, this isn't that bad. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so the last thing we wanted to talk about on the subject of triggers, I hope everyone's like not totally confused, but if you are, it's okay. I hope we're not being confusing. <laughs> um, is symptoms. So once you get that trigger shot in you, and I would I would guess this is more for HCG triggers than Lupron triggers. Um, you might experience some pregnancy symptoms because you're basically injecting yourself with the pregnancy hormone. So your body starts to mimic the same symptoms, which is why I was saying earlier, you can't trust anything you're feeling. You're like, oh, I feel pregnant. Well, it might just be your trigger shot, unfortunately. So um, a lot of people experience like fatigue, nausea, like we said, bloating. Like So some of those like early pregnancy symptoms that people have, just look out for that because you might experience that with a trigger shot. And that's why they don't want you to take a pregnancy test too early right. because you could have residual HCG just hanging mm -hmm. out in your system from the trigger shot. Good point. Yeah. If you do a trigger shot, you have to wait however many days before you can test. Some women test out their trigger shot. I never did that, but some people do. No. Yeah. They like test every day until it's not showing anymore and then keep going interesting hope that it comes it back so expensive <laughs> i know but i mean i don't have money for those kinds of pregnancy no tests. i was i was not a big pianistic person but yeah. some people are crazy about it they just have to do it so yeah well if you like to know then you yeah like if to you know. like to know if you're it's one of those helpful. people yeah some people it's not helpful <laughs> so you know yourself the best um i wanted to real quickly talk about since we're on this topic of uh, something a bit more clinical than I'm used to, then, you know, it's not like I can give you opinions all day long about infertility, other infertility topics. But when we talk about more clinical things, I'm always feeling self-conscious because I'm like, I'm going to say something wrong. I'm going <laughs> to pronounce this wrong. So I wanted to give a shout out to, have you, do you know who this doctor yeah. is? Yeah, yeah, I follow her. Yeah, so Dr. Laura Shaheen. Uh, and that is her Instagram handle, at Dr. Laura Shaheen. Shashi did I say it right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. D-R-L-O-R-A-S-H-A-H-I-N-E. That's spelling it out for anyone who, because Laura can right, true. be confusing. So I don't know if I should call her Dr. Laura or Dr. Shaheen. I'm call her Dr. Shaheen. I'm going to call her Dr. Shaheen. She gave us a shout out the other day, um, and it was really nice saying that she liked the podcast and she did she said they missed some details on the science around infertility and miscarriage evaluation and care but they fully admit that they are not doctors and they keep it real discussing the down and dirty of the journey of trying to conceive so i wanted to a thank her because well first of all it like terrifies me that an re is listening to this podcast <laughs> I mean, I'm flattered, but now I'm like just sitting oh there my saying gosh. wrong, wrong, <laughs> wrong, totally wrong, yeah. just screaming at her idiots. Yeah, like these idiots. What are they doing? Because <laughs> I could see a doctor having that opinion about two girls that like really don't know at all what they're talking about. But I love that she gave us a shout out because I think she gets what we're going for, which is that we're just here to offer support in a different way for people like you guys don't come here really to find out the facts i mean you might get yeah. a few 
But I just wanted to give, and and we love having the support of actual medical professionals. And I told her, like, if we get anything wrong, please tell us because we want to correct ourselves when we do. So, Dr. Shaheen, if you're listening and we got anything wrong on this episode, I want you to tell me. (laughs) So I just wanted to give her a shout out and say that I think it's great that we have, you know, like actual medical professionals in the community that are supportive of us. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah, I think that's nice. So, thanks for that. Um, out of the box. Wait, you didn't mention OHSS. Oh, I didn't. And OHSS is. Oh my gosh. Near and dear to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> if we're just talking about symptoms and side effects from yeah. trigger shots, rewind. OHSS Thank you. is one of them. But you guys said you might do a later episode. We about are gonna this. do a whole episode so, on on OHSS. We don't have to get crazy into it. No, but thank you for bringing that up. It was just an oversight. I just skipped right over it. And you're right. It is like one of the biggest symptoms to look for through an IVF stem protocol and especially after an HCG trigger or not, like yeah. Christine. Um, so what's OHSS? Okay, so OHSS. We both had is, it. <laughs> yeah, this is such an important topic to me. <laughs> She's really passionate I, about I ovarian really hyperstimulation yeah, syndrome. Yeah, <laughs> so OHSS stands for ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, and it can manifest itself uh, in several different ways. Something from somewhat mild, which the fir- like the first time I had it, I didn't know I had it until basically after sex. I got oh, really oh horrible no. cramps oh and no. like went to the doctor thinking I was hemorrhaging or something. And they're like, oh, no, it's OH- you have a mild case of OHSS. So maybe abstain from sex a few days what made, after a trigger. Why did having sex make it worse? I don't know. Because orgasm? I don't know. <laughs> Tell us all the dirty <laughs> details of your sex life, please. I go mean, on. That might, that might have, I honestly don't know. That's so but, crazy. So yeah. symptoms. Maybe it was just like coincidental the timing or no, something. No, because it was right after. Oh, right it was after like you had as camps. a result. Yeah. <gasps> That's so yeah. crazy. It was really weird. So yeah, definitely abstain for a few days would be my <laughs> just advice. Another reason to tell your husband no. <laughs> I think I'm getting OHSS. But then it can also. <laughs> be cause nausea so and then as it gets more severe i mean you might notice anything from mild bloating to in extreme cases you look like you're six months pregnant Mm -hmm. and that was i literally looked like i was six months pregnant um and extreme nausea i think they gave me something for the nausea and i mean your ovaries are basically insanely swollen Mm -hmm. they're just filled with fluid right so lots of electrolytes and, and protein. protein. Yeah. So, yeah, some women, it's very rare, but some women do have to be hospitalized for it and actually have fluid drained. Yeah. Um, I thought about it. Yeah. I mean, that's not, that is not the norm. And like Christine said, there's like lots of variations of OHS. You can just have kind of a mild case of it, moderate or severe. I think I probably fell into the mild to moderate Um And the only thing that helped relieve my symptoms was, like, pushing. And not just, like, a protein bar. Like, tons and tons of protein. Because my doctor told me, and she was right, that the protein acts as a vehicle that moves the fluid out. So the electrolytes are great, but the protein is actually what helps move it out of your body. So you can pee it and poop it out. Yeah. The fluid. um, Because that's what's making you uncomfortable. I was so uncomfortable. I was... I mean, I couldn't lie down. I couldn't either. I had to sit upright. 
I and then like when I walked to my I couldn't walk. Yeah. Like I physically couldn't walk to my doctor's because my stomach was out to here. Yeah. It was <laughs> and they're like, oh, this looks like just a moderate case of OHSS. I'm like, really? Because <laughs> I look like I'm six months pregnant and I'm having trouble breathing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I had a lot of trouble breathing. That's why I couldn't lay down. Yeah. It got worse when I laid down. That's a cruel joke to look six months pregnant when all it yeah. is is like an enormous amount of blow. And it was a perfectly round <laughs> yeah. baby bump. Totally perfectly round. That's just cruel. It was really cruel. The universe is cruel sometimes. <laughs> really cruel. I also when if you have any of those un- like extremely uncomfortable symptoms, go to the doctor right away. Yeah. I went right away Same. and I think they told me my ovaries were about three or four times the normal size, which mm-hmm. is you know. And the reason this happens is all your follicles after an egg retrieval, they just keep filling up with fluid and it just has to go somewhere. I had some free fluid like floating around in my stomach too. And that's when it can get dangerous yeah. when the fluid starts going to like if it goes to your lungs or Right. That's why it, you can't lie down all the way or else it'll Yeah. Yeah. You know. So look out for OHSS symptoms. Um but like like Christi- like we're saying an extreme case of it is rare, and if you have a responsible doctor, chances are that they're going to be looking out for that as well. And just so you know, the more follicles you have, the more susceptible in most cases you're going to be to OHSS because the more fluid you're going to have after egg retrieval. So right. thank you for bringing that up, Christine. Like you said, we're going to do a whole episode on OHSS, but that's, a, that's the Cliff's Notes version. So, you want to sing the song? Yeah. Out, out of, of the, the box. box. Out, out of the, the box. box. Woo! We don't know what we're going to talk about today. No. <laughs> I said, Christine, what should we talk about for out of the box? And she said, we're having some lovely fall foliage. <laughs> but we are for Chicago. We are. It's beautiful. Like I said, I drove up to Christine's place today and i live downtown where there's not a lot of trees and you're up here in evanston where it's beautiful so many trees it's just gorgeous driving around up here that it's like we're in that prime spot yeah this is only gonna last another like week or two right and then it'll just be cold as balls and i'll hate my life until may yep (laughs) that sounds about right that's a lame topic for out of the box though i know what I mean, well, what, what's your favorite fall thing other than the foliage? I've been really dying to go apple picking. <gasps> really? But I haven't. Oh, you? where did you just go? We went to the Harvest Time Apple Orchards. Which is where? How far away? It's an hour away, but the apple orchards are closed. <laughs> okay, but I saw a donut in one of your pictures. And truthfully, I don't really care about the apple picking. I just want, like, a cider donut. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I really care about. Um, you could look it up and see if they're still open. But yeah, now Wait, I see like where your true motivation is. season now? They, so when we were there, we took the twins up to, we were like, let's go to do, you know, some kind of fall something. Yeah. And so we're like, let's go to this apple orchard. Like you said, they have these really good donuts. Apparently cider and like cinnamon sugar donuts are like a thing in Wisconsin. They're a thing in the east too, where I'm from. I mean, I don't know. I had them back east. Okay, so maybe they're just a fall thing. Yeah, I didn't know about fall thing until I moved up north. Okay, I really need one. (laughs) And it was so we get there and we're like, nobody's here. Really? (laughs) 
Oh, it seems so early in the season for that to be closed. And they said that they clo- the apple orchard closed last weekend. Oh. So everything else was open. Like they were selling like the, the donuts, store. the store. They we got that's okay. That's all I need. We got a big gallon of the cider. Cider was excellent. Yeah. It was Love so cider. good, and it was a perfect fall day. It was like not too cold. It wasn't windy. It was that crisp fall air. The leaves are changing. They're crunchy on the ground. You've got that like bite in the air, and it smells so good. Ugh. You've got the mixture of like cider and donut. <laughs> yes, I want some hot apple cider. Mm-hmm. And a cider donut yeah, for breakfast tomorrow. And a lot of pumpkins. And there were, like, animals that the kids could pet. And it was great. Yeah, I saw some goats. Yeah, there were some goats. I love little goats. I got to feed the goats. So it was a good time, had by all. You know, you, it's tough to get some of those fall activities when yeah. you live in the city. You have to get out. That's so. been on my fall bucket list. I mean, this is our first, I would say, like, our, our real fall. We didn't have real fall until we moved here because we're in California, oh, and there's yeah. no fall. And then Virginia. And Virginia, yeah, it wasn't really yeah. much in Virginia. Right. And you can't go apple picking in Virginia. No. So. Okay. Wait, so this is your first? Not this year, last year. Last year, okay. Yeah. Okay. But last year was kind of lame, so. <laughs> there was, like, I don't remember any pretty foliage. <laughs> this is the worst, lamest topic ever. Christine is really into the foliage. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Um, okay. Do you, on the same topic, sort of, what's your favorite type of scarf? Do you enjoy an infinity scarf? Do you enjoy, like, a blanket scarf? Like Love I a blanket have? scarf. Love a blanket scarf. Love a yes, good blanket I, scarf. So we're in Christine's closet, so I'm looking at her scarf collection right now. All my scarves are from Afghanistan. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like Because do... my husband went to Afghanistan. Oh, and for... just got you a bunch? So this one, this one, <gasps> That this one's one. really pretty. Those three, at least, are from Afghanistan. This one, I've got a lot. I love blanket scarves. Like I don't mess with any other kind of scarf anymore. Which I guess maybe some people don't know. Like all the people listening in Texas are like, "What's a blanket scarf?" And let me just say, (laughs) no, everybody knows what a blanket scarf is. I don't think people from Texas know what a blanket scarf is. I think I can say that because I grew up there and I didn't know what a blanket scarf was until. Well, I think they're a new concept too. I think they're kind of new. They, I feel like Target brought them into popularity. Oh, really? Maybe. Within the past few years. But it ha- to be a true blanket scarf for me, it has to be at least this thick. How thick do you think this is? Um, I you mean, mean like, wide? Wide, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like don't know. Three feet? Mine's like a cheater blanket scarf. Cause yeah. It's... That's like two, two, two yeah. feet. Like, so at least two feet wide. Yeah. It's got to be. Like, it's That's the like width. three feet. That looks like this three feet. This is like three feet, yeah. Isn't a foot, like, from here to yeah, here? Yeah, yeah, it's like three feet. <laughs> It's all about the width, because here's why they're so great, for anyone who really cares about this topic. <laughs> because when you put them on, they, like, really block out the cold, like the yeah. wind. Well, if you're like in a, a cold... normal scarf doesn't do that. No. And if you wear the scarf and then go into a cold office, it can double as a blanket yeah, or a really good shawl to keep you warm in your freezing cold office. That's right. That's, That's the right. key. That is the key. And one other tip about blanket scarves so when i for all you people trying to get pregnant when you eventually do the blanket scarf saved me at work from having to tell people i was pregnant oh really oh good to know (laughs) i because well and i did a transfer in november 
So by the time March rolled around, February, March, I was showing big time. Like, So when did you tell people? Oh, I didn't tell. I waited till the last possible second Whoa. to tell my boss. Like, and my coworker, who's also one of my best friends, was like, you're in denial. Everyone knows you're pregnant. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> but because it was through the cold weather months, I would just drape these, like, over... It's a good idea. You know, and like it can, it, they, they're so big that they cover your midsection. Yeah. All right. Good to know. Yeah. So, I mean, blanket scarves are great. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it must be nice to need a blanket scarf to cover yourself while you're pregnant. You know Listen, what, guys, Christine... I'm in your boat with you. Positivity. <laughs> exactly. Positivity. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was our out of the box segment. Christine, thanks again for joining us on your lunch break, by the way. <laughs> Christine is in the middle of the work day, everyone. <laughs> My day job, everybody. She has a real job, and she's joining us on her lunch break. So I want to thank you again. And one more time, um, guys, you can join our close Facebook groups if you haven't already called the Infertile Mafia and the Infertile Mafia Bosses and Babies. Again, our Instagram handle is at Infertile Mafia Podcast. Always feel free to send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe and do that rating and review like we talked about at the top. That's really helpful if you could do that for us. Um, and, yeah, keep tuning in to hear more talk about eggs and balls and stuff. Christine, tell them where they can find you, and then you can close us out. You guys can find me on Instagram, at Infertility Illustrated. One word. Um, I have a website, but at Infertility Illustrated on Instagram is pretty much where you can find me. It's new, right, your website? Yeah, I'm, I'm so lazy about websites. <laughs> I don't. We, we keep necessary meaning. evil. We actually have the infertilemafia.com, but we oh, haven't used We bought it, but we don't have it. Yeah, because it's a pain it to set that up. Who wants to do that? Yeah, we thought about, like, if we ever, you know, if people had any interest in merch. but Yeah, well, right. That's I, yeah. I do someday eventually plan to offer prints. And custom orders, but oh yeah, it's been a slow march. I can't to get there. wait till you do that. I and know. I told Christine she needs like a coffee table book. I need to get my act together with your illustrations eventually. One of these days. One of these days. Yeah. Make it happen. Um, but yeah, join us again next time. I don't know what we're talking about. I know I keep saying that every time, but I'm feel like I'm flailing a little bit without Sarah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Sad. I'm okay. I'm super happy for her. Actually, yeah. I think in my next episode, my sister is joining me, um, and she's not infertile, so... Ooh, the other perspective? Yeah. The enemy? <laughs> right. The enemy's viewpoint? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, totally no, good. she she's not, but she has a unique perspective in that she she's a good advocate for us, and she's not an infertile person, but she is out there, like... She's doing it. She's making it happen for the community, too. Would you love those people? Because they don't really have a personal vested interest other than the people in their life right. that they love that They're have just been supportive. affected by it. Yeah. And it's nice to have that support. Yeah. yeah, it is. So we did, I think I did a quick quiz with her. I already recorded it. That's why I'm saying it. Um, of like, you might be infertile if fill in the blank. It was kind of fun. <laughs> so, yeah. So stay tuned for that next time. And as always... Thanks for joining the Infertile Mafia. Bye. Bye.